passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to the 90th percentile. I'm your host, Jeff Ponce, one of the members of the prospect team here at Baseball America. I've been doing this uh, show now for a little bit uh, over a year since I joined the team at Baseball America. We've been off for about a month now as I've been doing spring training and then the early part of the season. I had three different trips down to Florida, but over those journeys, I did some thinking, kind of wanted to switch up the format of the show a little bit, really enjoyed talking to our multi-time guest, Matt Pajak of Loden Sports. So I reached out to Matt and I said, hey man, would you like to co-host the show with me? We'll change it up a little bit. We'll bring some different guests on. We'll talk about some concepts a little bit more deep. So Matt agreed. He's here. He's now my co-host of the 90th percentile. So Matt, I want to welcome you back to the show and uh, welcome you into the show as a co-host for the first time. How's it going, man? Yes. Uh, no brainer. Jeff reached out a couple of weeks ago. I was like, let's do it. Um, I think there's a number of different things that, you know, we're going to get into over the course of the next couple of weeks. There's going to be part ones, part twos, part threes on some of these topics because they're important and you should hear about them multiple times. But um, I'm just thrilled because I think, you know, we can create something here that's really valuable resource to a number of different people navigating baseball uh, at various levels. So uh, very excited. Thunder and lightning, Massachusetts connect. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Shake and bake, right? Shake and bake. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think the thing is too, like w- one of the reasons I, I wanted to kind of switch it up a little bit um, was just bring more insight, you know, from just me talking to somebody every week and, you know, being able to have more in-depth conversations kind of leading up to some of the interviews. So we don't have to keep these guys on here for 45 minutes or something like right. I have in the past. But I also think we talk like, Baseball podcasts do a really good job of talking about specific players or specific teams or narratives around players or narratives around teams, but they don't necessarily talk about the process, the inner workings, whether it's player development, you know, whether it's the path that a player might follow. Um, there's a lot of different things that we're going to we're going to touch on, and I think is is needed discourse in the baseball space at this point in time. Um, so, without further ado, I'll sort of introduce this three-part narrative that we're going to be rolling out there, uh, this odyssey 
Um, but it's called Finding Your Fit. And we're going to have some, some different folks from inside the game, some player perspective about, you know, how they are reaching or reach the professional ranks. You know, some of the different, we'll say, speed bumps guys run into. But even more than that, some of the opportunities that they find um, by going different paths. And there's a variety of sort of different pathways that a player can follow. And there's also a variety of, of different backgrounds. There's guys, and we'll talk about this, that come from cold weather backgrounds, like, you know, the two of us you're growing up in Massachusetts. There's only so many months out of the year that you can really play outdoor baseball. There's only so much that you can recreate within the, the lab um, or the gym. Um a lot of us play multiple sports where if you're a guy in Florida or a guy in California or a guy in Texas, et cetera, it's a lot easier for you to probably play 11, 12 months out of the year and, you know, get some of those at bats, things that we had talked about in previous podcasts. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Matt. Let's sort of, let's sort of dig into that a little bit. Um, we'll start off here in terms of like going to school, you know, what are the benefits of, we'll say a player going pro versus going to school and what are some of the pitfalls as well? Sure. And I think I just kind of want to lead this off a little bit with saying that the game's changed, um, especially in the past couple of years. And we'll run down these different factors and, you know, each of the guests that we're going to bring on. we got a really interesting guest today who's who's been all over the map um, and has found his fit. Um, but, you know, the game's changed. It's not five years ago, four years ago, where if you're a high school kid, you go to one school and you play there for three years and then you go in the draft and you find your way into pro ball. Like there are fewer opportunities in pro ball. Um, there's a backlog at all levels of college baseball for opportunity. Um, and it is becoming more and more common. And I think it's important to kind of destigmatize it a little bit to jump around. And we're going to talk about the portal. I think the portal is a really large dynamic in the current landscape. Um, and I think it's not all negative. I think it could be very much used to the player's advantage, probably requires a little bit of self-awareness and a little bit more tact. But, um, I think, you know, within this finding your fit series, we're, we're really talking about, you know, ultimately just getting to a place where you can get competitive at bats and you can get a chance to play every day. There's so many factors that go into that. Um, you mentioned cold weather, cold weather is, you know, for the kid that commits to a, a big time power five school, if you're an SEC player and you're committing from a cold weather state, just understand when you show up on campus, you're going to be around a bunch of kids who played a whole lot more baseball than you. Right. So um, you're going to have to, you know, you're getting thrown into the deep end, basically, um, because there's probably a lot more competitive at bats under under the belt of the, the players that you're going to be around. Now, you talk about. How does that come into play when you're making your decision? There's a huge backlog at schools everywhere. You know, I I heard from a friend of mine who's you know very involved in the game that there were 70 kids um, in the on the fall roster for Arkansas this past year. You know, there's nine positions on the field. So um, yeah. at some point, those guys get cut down, and then the guys who survive, like it's it's not even a guarantee that you're going to get a bats there. So um, yeah, I think that's very much a dynamic that's caused by a whole bunch of different things. We had a five round draft back in 2020. Uh, the five round draft, obviously going from a 40 round draft the previous year, that's a huge bubble of players that didn't matriculate into the professional game. The NCAA rewarded an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Um, 
guys are taking advantage of that. Then the portal kind of comes in and opens up all this chaos where you can free move wherever you want, whenever you want. Um, and I think you, you kind of mash all of that together and it's created a really muddy environment to try and make a decision because everybody, depending on where you're from is in a different situation and it's, it's nuanced. So, um, yeah, there's, you talk about the, the portal and, and guys being able to bounce around, like most schools aren't guaranteeing scholarships for four years. So the loyalty isn't there. If you show up on campus and you don't perform year one, you don't perform year two, you might not get the opportunity and they might just dump you. So, um, even some of the programs out there that do guarantee for four years, like internally, those programs might view that as a disadvantage because they can't dump you if you don't perform. So, um, college baseball has gotten a lot more competitive. It's nobody's fault. Um, but those are the rules. And when the rules are in play, you kind of adapt to what's going on. And I think it's really important. Again, the reason why we're here is to educate people and provide a resource as to, you know, some suggestions on how to maybe navigate that. And, you know, you're, you're talking to two guys who didn't play college baseball. So we're, <laughs> we're going to bring on some guests that uh, have had the opportunity to walk that path and, and hear from them. And um, yeah, I think it'll be really neat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, these are some interesting topics too. You know, we talk about, you know, the backlog created by the five round draft, the extra year of eligibility, and I think that, you know, what we've seen is we've seen some guys who performed at mid-majors, performed at D2 schools, um, even D3 schools, get some opportunities with Power Fives guys that, you know, Josh Hood's an example from a couple of years ago that ended up at NC State, that ended up, you know, drafted again after being drafted by the Red Sox, now with the Mariners. Um, it creates opportunities for guys not only to um, get into pro ball, but also kind of can create an opportunity for a guy to show what he has against better competition and, you know, boost his stock, even if he spends that extra year in college, which I think is a concept, you know, if we told this to somebody five or six years ago is probably somewhat foreign um, guys that were, you know, senior signs. I mean, there was a, a 30 round, 40 round draft. And, you know, a lot of these guys would get taken, you know, thrown in. There wasn't a limitation on the number of players that were in pro ball. That's changed. Those those limits have tightened again this year. Um, so there's you know there's even less sort of dead weight and guys that you can carry. Um, and that probably brings into a whole another conversation. We're getting off on a tangent now of like indie ball and some of the opportunities there. But I think if we're just focusing on the college game, you know, I think what we're going to see, especially in sort of the four five year cycle of the aftermath of the rules changing in the portal is we'll see guys that matriculate the pro ball that are pretty good players that maybe went to a power five school initially were highly touted out of high school. You know, you go to an LSU, you go to an Arkansas, you go to an Oklahoma state, you go to, you know, Wake Forest, wherever it might be. And if it's a, if it's a school that's active in the portal and they're bringing in older players, the intention of bringing in those older players almost universally is to play them and to put them in, you know, big spots, whether it's in the lineup, weekend spots in your rotation, um, leverage spots in your bullpen. And I think the shame of a guy maybe going to a big school like an LSU or something out of high school and then transferring to a mid-major or maybe ending up at a JUCO or wherever, the stigma is probably going to go away a little bit because we're going to see some really good players that just went there and, and went to get their opportunity. And I think that's going to be the big sort of um, – 
you know, underlying message of this particular series of podcasts that we're doing. Um, so let's dig into that a little bit. And, you know, I know, um, you know, I think that probably falls into self-awareness, which is something that you've mentioned and sort of balancing your ambition versus reality and, you know, sort of how that fits into this whole puzzle that we brought up in terms of you could be a cold weather kid that was highly touted, but you're trying to make up at bats. You got to be able to hit, you got this backlog that you're working against. Um, and you know, sort of the, the loyalty versus disloyalty thing, whether that's from a player, but also from the school, it's like all these different things that are in the pot that are kind of brewing right now. Um, but in the end of the day, it's about being able to get those opportunities. Yeah. And I, I just want to call something out. Uh, it is May 2023 and guys are starting to matriculate to the big leagues. They're getting called up from double A, triple A, whatever it may be. And in the past week and a half, we've seen Brent Doyle get called up Colorado Rockies. He was a D2 draft fourth round or something like that. A couple of years back, like he's playing in the outfield for the Colorado Rockies right now. You've got uh, Mason Miller throwing a hundred and he's absolutely lights out for the Oakland A's. That's a D3. Um, you've got um, Brandon Fott making his debut today, much anticipated for the Arizona Diamondbacks. D2 Bellarmine, I think I pronounced that right. Uh, that's the beauty of baseball, right? <laughs> like these, if you're good, they'll find you. And I think that's the whole concept of finding your fit is kind of understanding mm-hmm. like if you don't play, you, you never get the opportunity to be found. But, you know, you go somewhere and, and those are obvious examples. I don't even go with, Gavin Stone making his big league debut today for the Dodgers. Like that dude went to central Arkansas. You know what I mean? It's not a D two or D three or anything like that, but it's not a power five by any means. So um, that's the beauty of the game of baseball. I think that's something I've always really loved about it. I think that's what's endearing about scouting is that leave no stone unturned and yeah, find your fit, go play somewhere. Um, So yeah, let's uh, let's dive into something here, Jeff. What do we got? We got a guest today. We do. We have a, uh, a guest coming on, somebody that's kind of been through a little bit of all of it, and that's uh, Garrett Martin. Uh, Garrett is a player at Austin P, um, which is a mid-major. Um, you know, a player that has gotten some draft buzz as a senior sign. I believe he's technically a redshirt senior, so a fifth-year senior. One of these guys that was impact comes from a cold weather state. He's from Colorado. Was impacted by the five round draft and the cancellation of um, the, uh, the primarily the season. I know McLennan where he was for Juco did play probably a little bit that year. Um, Won a national championship with McLennan in 2021, the Juco national championship matriculated to a power five school at Oklahoma state. Didn't get his opportunities. Now at Austin P goes the mid major route and he's on the cusp of, of getting drafted sometime this July you know, maybe it's not a top five round guy, but certainly someone that's on draft boards and, you know, scouts are, are well aware of front offices are well aware of. So he's kind of followed this full path at this point where, you know, he's gone through all these different stages and multi-sport guy will get into some of his, you know, his athletic background beyond just baseball, really interesting stuff. I know he's somebody that, uh, you know, you've spoken with in the past and know pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he's, He's got a little, like you said, it's a sampling of everything. You know, you go to the buffet table and put a little bit of everything on there. And it's, you know, power five, it's non-power five, it's JUCO route. 
uh, you know, his summer ball path took him to the Northwoods league. He played in the Cape league, a um, whole bunch of different, really cool nooks and crannies that this guy's seen in the past four or five years around the, the baseball space. And uh, per the subject, finding your fit, uh, he, he certainly found it this year at Austin P uh, you can Google the stat line if you want, but it's, he put up some pretty monster numbers and, you know, played every day, middle of the lineup, center field. And I think that's what it's all about, right, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, let's dive into it. We'll bring on Garrett and uh, we'll start chatting. All right, we're back with the first guest of the Finding Your Fit series, Garrett Martin of Austin P. Garrett, welcome to the show. Why don't we get into your background a little bit, introduce yourself to the people, sort of, you know, you're coming out of cold weather background. Talk about that a little bit. Grew up in Colorado. Obviously, it's a cold weather state. Um, playing summer ball, like with slammers and stuff, we were going all over the country. We played a lot in Georgia, Florida, Arizona, California, Texas. Uh, that was kind of the only place we really get a whole lot of exposure. And then um, got an opportunity to go down to McLennan, um, play for Mitch Thompson. as a coach that I definitely trusted right off the bat. <clears throat> Kind of trying to uh, bet on myself a little bit and see how things would go down there. And definitely, I think that was the best decision I could have made coming out of high school, just going down there. But, yeah. And I know that you, you know, you won a, you won a national championship while you're at McLennan, got an opportunity to play in the Cape for a few games. Uh, you were, you know, you were playing with Chatham, which is Oklahoma State summer camp um, with a lot yeah, of other guys that were transferring in. Um, you know, went to Oklahoma State, found your opportunity at Austin P. I'm interested in even backing up a little bit because we're both cold weather guys. I think we're both guys, you know, obviously didn't have the, the talent you have in baseball, played multiple sports. Um, I think like, your background is really interesting. Played basketball, um, which is obviously a great sport for any athlete, especially somebody who's, you know, a bigger guy who's, you know, is athletic. But also you were, you were the state high jump champion. And from what I understand, you, you actually were approached or maybe offered a scholarship by Oregon, which is, you know, for those that don't follow track and field, it's kind of like the Kentucky or the, you know, UNC, of, you know, track and field programs. Um, yeah. How do you think that impacted sort of your athleticism, your background? Um, and I know you also got an opportunity to potentially play pro ball with the Orioles. Yeah. So kind of I'm interested in like, you know, going through that experience as a high school player and an athlete and, you know, having multiple different opportunities and pathways that you could have followed. Yeah, I loved I loved playing everything I could when I was a kid. You know, I loved football when I was a kid growing up. Basketball was probably my favorite sport playing for my high school. And then track was just kind of one of those things that there was an opportunity that I could do it during the baseball season. And it was fun to compete. And I was always able to jump. So I was pretty decent at it and decided to practice a little bit and see see what I could do with that kind of just off the side during the baseball season. Um, but for me, athletically, I think playing like those four sports growing up, it really helped me a lot. Um, like quick twitch muscles, jumping, sprinting, lateral movement, which all translates to baseball. And I was kind of a late bloomer. And with all those kind of athletic skills, I learned playing those other games. I think it really helped me out a lot. Yeah. I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, cause like, obviously I know, pretty well I'm pretty intimate with the link between athleticism and in ceiling and it's it's been awesome to see that kind of 
come to the forefront this year while, you know, you get an opportunity to play every day at Austin P. Um, mm. But, you know, obviously being a high jumper, like, you know, we know that what that correlates to in terms of exit velocity and throwing velocity. And ultimately it, it correlates to you playing up the middle of the field and, you know, having the athleticism to cover the ground and center field and all that. Yeah. Um, but I do want to talk about, you know, let's, let's back it up a little bit. Right. And you ended up at McLennan. Uh, that was a great experience for you. But let's talk about like your senior year of high school. Um, if I remember correctly, you had some kind of involvement with Auburn um, mm. before ultimately ending up at McLennan. And then also, you know, the decision when you got drafted, I think it was what, the 18th round uh, yeah. by Baltimore to, you know, pursue college baseball as, as opposed to the pro route at that point. Yeah. So coming out of high school, um, uh, my name got called in the draft. It was 22nd round by the Orioles. And uh, I was really excited about that. Um, I was definitely going, I was planning on signing if we could get some of the money stuff to work out. But when that didn't work out, I went to McLennan. And then the Auburn thing came in actually after the, the COVID year. So I went to McLennan for one full year, came back the second year. Had a pretty good spring my freshman year, a good fall. And then I committed to Auburn my sophomore fall. Then we played like 23 or 24 games my sophomore year, and then we all got banged. So I was still committed, planning on going to Auburn. And then when they came out with all the rules, all the seniors could come back. Um, draft went to five rounds. Pretty much that whole roster came back. So it was like when I, when I was looking at it on draft day, that year and I saw none of those guys signed. I figured it'd probably be best to decommit. I didn't really want to go there when their whole team was coming back. A lot they had an older team, a lot of seniors, and me coming as a transfer guy, I knew I probably wasn't getting that first opportunity. So I thought it was better for me to decommit. So I was in the transfer por transfer portal for about a month that summer. Uh, not a whole lot went on because everyone was in the same boat. Everybody was coming back. So then I decided to go back to McLennan. thought that was kind of going to be my best route to either sign or try to find somewhere to go the following year when some of those guys left. When you get yeah. back oh, – sorry, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> no, Jeff, you take it. Let's say, so, so you get back to McLennan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have this year where you win a national championship – you go back into the portal um, and, you know, eventually sort of find your, your fit at Oklahoma state. What was that year like sort of coming off of that, knowing the back, the backlog and how that impacted you, you know, in terms of like your transfer status, getting an opportunity at a power five, then yeah. seeing that opportunity come up again. Um, what were some of the lessons of that year? And just, you know, some of the things that you took away, I'm sure, you know, winning a national yeah. championship, regardless of what level is, is huge. Yeah, well, that was awesome. First of all, we had a really talented team. We had guys going all over the country, a couple guys signed. Um, but going into Oklahoma State, I was I was one of the earlier guys committed in that class transfer-wise because I committed probably early fall that third year I was at McLennan. And then we went through, played the national championship. Um, so I didn't really get an opportunity to play summer ball early in the summer um, since we played so late into June. So I kind of went home, hung out at home for a little bit, and then I got to go actually visit Oklahoma State for the first time over that summer while I was committed. And then they were still bringing in some guys as uh, that summer, and they were getting some guys out of the Cape. 
And then I got there and that ta- that roster was loaded. There was a lot of talent on that roster. Um, some guys came back and there were, there were some healthier guys that year that were hurt the year before. Um, it was pretty cool being on a roster like that, but um, not getting as many opportunities as I did at McLennan or as I have here was probably the worst part. Yeah, and I think it's it. You touched on a whole lot there, uh, just in terms of you know. And me and Jeff discussed this before you hopped on, but we talked about you know the, the impact of that COVID year, twenty twenty five round draft, um, the the further condensing, which it's still going on, and it's there's yeah. rumors that there's going to be more of it moving forward of um, you know pro ball affiliated opportunities. I think that's something that a lot of people don't fully understand because in the amateur baseball space there's so much focus on you know the dylan cruz of the world and Mm -hmm. and a lot of these famous guys who it's it's not a problem for them right it's like if dylan cruz wants to take his name out of the 2020 draft when it's five rounds like he's going lsu and he's he's the guy but uh, there's so much trickle down at every level and you know you illustrated it perfectly there just you know, you wanted to go to Auburn and then you were like, ah, maybe I shouldn't go to Auburn because, you know, there's, there's just no room. And then mm-hmm. you, you go to Oklahoma state and you kind of encountered the same thing anyway. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is guys hanging around uh, longer because they're not matriculating into pro ball. I think part of it's guys hanging around because they can, they've got extra mm-hmm. eligibility. And I think, you know, yeah. part of that is also the transfer portal, which is, you know, all right, let's just go grab a dude, throw him on campus and, you know, Jeff touched on it earlier before you hopped on, you know, it's like they're not going into the transfer portal to bring these older guys in to not play. Like they're bringing yeah. those guys in to plug them and, and see what they can do. So mm-hmm. um, let's, let's go back to, you know, before you went to Oklahoma state and, and we'll get back to that here in a second. Um, you know, did you have opportunities or any draft interest out of McLennan after winning the national championship? Yeah, there were a few things that came up that summer after uh, after we won it. And kind of the feeling I was getting is I was going to get kind of a bigger spot at Oklahoma State, and then they brought in some guys late. But, um, yeah, coming out of McLennan each year, there were some talks in some of the later rounds, but I think it's harder for, like, a, a junior college hitter um, to sign than it is as a power five. You're obviously not facing the same arms, um, even if the numbers are better. Um, it's still not going to be the same just because the the arms you're facing. I mean, there's still some dudes down there in junior college. Some of the starters are really good. Some of the back-end guys are really good. But some of the guys kind of in the middle are more average than some of the Division One guys, and I think that hurts some junior college hitters sometimes. Sure. Um, going back to Oklahoma State, uh, and I think you've touched on it a couple times, how you know, there was a lot of bodies in that clubhouse um ultimately you know 55 plate appearances i, I kind of want to go inside your head a little bit um coming out of that spring uh where you didn't really get a ton of opportunities there for whatever reason it might be right it's a ton mm-hmm. of different factors that plays into it um but kind of like where was your head at i guess heading into last summer i know that you went up to i believe what the northwoods league mm-hmm. um and then you know obviously making the decision in the fall um to head to Austin P just kind of, you know, break that down for me. Cause it's, you, you've, you've traveled a road for sure. Yeah. yeah. So early in the spring at Oklahoma state, I kind of tweaked something in my back. So I, I missed 
some of the early inner squads in the spring. And then we opened up the pretty good schedule, opened up at Vanderbilt, um, kind of figured I wasn't going to be in there early just because I hadn't played much at all. And then I finally did get an opportunity some early in the year. Uh, I got to DH a little bit. We had a guy go down, got in there for a little bit. Um, felt like I performed all right. And then he came back and then I was just kind of pushed back a little bit in the order. And then everyone stayed healthy for the majority of the rest of the year. Um, so I kind of had a good idea. I was ready to um, go into the portal towards the end of the year, um, especially with some of those guys coming back. So when I decided to get into the portal, um, I heard from a couple people early. Roland Fanning here at uh, Austin P was actually the first guy that reached out. But then Mitch Thompson at Baylor, because um, he was my junior college coach at McLennan. And as soon as he got the, the Baylor job, I was pretty hell-bent on playing for him again. He's a guy I trust. And um, heard from a couple other schools. But there were some issues with um, me being an older guy. And Baylor has a rule where your last 60 hours need to be from Baylor to graduate. And me, as this being like my fifth year in college, I would have had to go to school for two more years and only had one more year of eligibility. So I needed to get a waiver signed by the uh, NCAA um, in order to do that. And they kind of pushed that off until the end of the summer. So it got down towards August and I'm pretty much telling everybody I'm going to Baylor, but I still need to hear back from the NCAA whether this waiver is going to pass. So Roland, to his credit, he, uh, he definitely kept all my options alive. He had me, um, he had me apply for school, um, get all that stuff done just cause kind of as a last resort, just in case something didn't work. And then, cause I love Roland. He's another guy that I trust. And so I was definitely willing to play for him again too. And then it actually came down to, so my waiver got denied the Friday before school started. And so I still have nowhere to go. And then the Baylor people are telling me I should appeal. There's no way it doesn't pass this time. I write like a three page letter to the NCAA explaining my situation and everything, send that in. And then they don't hear my case till the Monday that school starts. So I'm still at home in Colorado sending my stuff into the NCAA. I got my truck packed. Don't really know where I'm going. And then the Monday that they're hearing my case, I just started driving east out of Colorado. I was like going through Kansas, started going down I-35 towards Texas, kind of right in the middle. So if they passed it, I'd be on I-35 going down to Waco. And if they denied it, I could just hang a left and start keep going east of Tennessee. So I got the phone call actually right around Stillwater in Oklahoma um, that they uh, didn't pass it again. So then I called Mitch, called Roland, told him come to Austin P. So started headed to Tennessee from there. But it was it was a wild ride for sure this summer. That's a crazy story. Being yep. in the car, driving east. Yeah, you're headed towards Texas. Shout yeah. out to the United States interstate system, <laughs> interstate yeah. highway system. <laughs> you just bang a left and head towards Tennessee. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, it was kind of an uneasy feeling guess- not know where I was going to school when I left my house. <laughs> you definitely didn't have any uh, school hoodies mm-hmm. or any no. memorabilia in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. But it was an experience. And what was uh, 
what was it that sort of like how did you end up as like austin p as your second option because i think you actually had um um lyle miller green right who was a teammate mm -hmm. at oklahoma yeah. state another guy that was a transfer yeah. that ended up at austin p this year as well so um was yeah, there so any he, connection there or like what was yeah. the, the process like there so he was actually my roommate at oklahoma state and we're like best friends too. There's John Bays here. He was another Oklahoma State guy, really tight with him, played summer ball with him this past summer. So we were kind of talking about it, how, how it would be pretty cool. All three of us went to the same spot again. Um, but I was pretty – I was faithful to to Mitch all summer because he's just, just a guy that I already played 150 games for. It's hard to say no to that again. Um, but, yeah, Roland, I love Roland's energy already at Oklahoma State. Um so just knowing Roland and some of the other guys that were already going to be on the team, it was, it was, I knew it would be a comfortable spot once I got here. Yeah, so let's talk about actually getting to Clarksville. Um, Clarksville, Tennessee, for people who are listening, yeah. is what, like the northwest corner. It's basically Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little country out there. And I think uh, you know, everything you got in the backdrop there. with the <laughs> <laughs> Is that a deer? Yeah. Fit right in out there. Um, yeah. yeah. How's the experience been there? I mean, you've gotten to play every day uh, up to this point, you know, middle of the order, get the opportunity mm -hmm. to play center field. And, you know, yeah. you haven't, you've, you've seized the opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. Your numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh, it was actually kind of funny. So the first night I get to Clarksville, I'm staying in a hotel. I got nowhere to live yet. None of that's set up because I didn't, I literally didn't know I was coming here until the day before. So I'm staying in a hotel. First night I'm in Clarksville. My truck gets broke into, break the window. They didn't steal any of my stuff, but I had to get a new window the next day, living in a hotel, talking to Roland, trying to find out where to live. So I'm in a hotel for a week or two, end up living in an apartment. Uh, three bedroom apartment. It's just me in there. And there's, there's a big army base out here. So there's two dudes in the army that are in this apartment that I'm in. And then they end up moving those two guys out. And there were two baseball guys that were in an apartment and they moved those guys in. So I finally had some baseball guys to live with, but I love it now. But the first week or two, I was definitely a little uneasy about my decision about getting here, but yeah, it's changed my mind. I like it a lot now. I mean, if if we learned anything here, Jeff, this guy loves baseball, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's willing to just load up his car, you know, figure out I'm going one direction or the other one, whatever, whatever the NCAA decides, I'm going to be playing baseball the next year. Yeah, it's like, what would you do for love? All of that. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a little bit of a, it could be like a lifetime movie about baseball, you know? Yeah, it could be. It's been a wild ride for sure. Yeah, let's let's not put Garrett on the Lifetime channel. We'll, we'll <laughs> see him on like ESPN or something someday. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. MLB Network. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Garrett. Let's uh let's wrap this thing up and then let you get on with your day. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of let's be reflective here for a second. Look back on all of it, um, and kind of speak to either a younger Garrett or you know a bunch of sophomores, juniors, seniors that are about to navigate this process uh, for themselves. Yeah. And, and uh, specifically, like, talk towards the cold weather kid like you, because yeah. um, there's a lot of them out there. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say every sport you can play as a kid, do it. Do it as long as you can, especially in high school. As long as your coaches in high school allow you to 
you know, play fall ball or summer ball and then get involved with basketball or football or whatever it is, I, I would definitely advise to do that, first of all. And then for another cold weather guy, unless it's a kind of a high profile draft level guy, I think junior college is a great route to go. Um, you're, you're getting so many reps out there without the the practice restrictions and you're playing 40 games in the fall, you're playing 65 games in the spring. You're, you're going to play, you better love baseball to go to junior college and you're going to get a lot better. And then a lot of opportunities will come out of that, that you might not have had out of high school. So for guys, cold weather guys that didn't really have a whole lot of interest out of high school, I think junior college is a great route to go. And then just finding a place where they can trust the coaches and, see themselves fitting in right away because um, no one wants to go, especially a transfer wants to get in somewhere and they have to sit there for a year or two. Um, I think getting somewhere where you can make an impact right away is the, the way to do it. Absolutely. Wise, wise words. <laughs> well, Garrett, we'll uh, thank you for your time. That's Garrett Martin, Austin P baseball player, uh, soon to be professional baseball <laughs> player in a couple of months. Best of luck on the rest of your season, man, and uh, looking forward to following your career as uh, you continue to you know, travel this journey. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Thanks Gary. So yep. See ya. Later. All right. That was uh, Garrett Martin of uh, Austin P. Um, certainly uh, an excellent interview. I think a lot, lot of insights. Um, some good stories, too. Some interesting tidbits about the type of things that you may end up doing, you know, in this uh, in this sort of chase for opportunities and at bats. And, you know, I think uh, kind of being at that, you know, being on the highway with his stuff all loaded up, not knowing which school he's going to go to, waiting for a decision and then just following wherever that takes him. Um, yeah, I think it's, 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 there, there was yeah, no shortage of commitment on his end. No, <laughs> absolutely not. You know, um, and I think it shows that, you know, you don't have to be you said it's easy for the Dylan Cruz. It's easy for guys like that to follow that path um, because there's going to be opportunities no matter where they go. But for a lot of other players and guys that do get into pro ball and have very good careers, sometimes there's some forks in the road that you got to get around. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, shout out to Garrett because, you know, we, we didn't really talk a whole lot about what was going on in his season. That wasn't really the point of the episode, but, you know, you know, finally getting that opportunity to play every day and, and putting up the numbers that he did, like, you know, it's, it just goes to show like the commitment and in, in the time that he put into this game and, you know, I guess his, uh, you know, willingness to stay, you know, through all the different things going on COVID and Juco and commit here and uncommit there and go to this school and go there. I mean, that's, that takes a lot. It's, it takes a, a toll on, you know, the body, it takes a toll on you mentally, but, um, for him to end up in the position that he's in and, and for him to perform the way that he has this year, I think that's just um, – it's a cherry on top of the college experience for him for sure. Yeah, and I think it's a testament to the work that he's put in and, you know, the commitment that he has on, you know, his end in terms of making sure that, you know, um, he continues to stay in the path. I think a lot of guys probably would have been deterred at that point and been – you know, ready to either sit behind somebody at a bigger school and just soak in that opportunity, be part of the team um, versus going, and as, you, as we said, you know, the name of this podcast, kind of finding your fit and finding where you're going to get those at-bats, where you're going to get those opportunities and, you know, get that opportunity to sort of shine. 
So Matt, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add here. Uh, otherwise, we can wrap this up. That was volume one of Finding Your Fit on the new 90th percentile. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, if you're listening to this and it's relevant, like, just stay at it. You know, that's don't get deterred, like you said, because Garrett's living proof, you know. So, uh, Jeff, this has been fantastic. Can't wait for the next one. And uh, yeah, 90th percentile. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back next week.